Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. And we're back. Welcome the, back. Back to the Two Top Podcast. The weekly podcast is now back to a weekly schedule. Back from my trip. Abroad. Where were you? Uh, Belgium. Some A couple days in Holland. Wow. Visiting family. It was a good time. Two Top gets around. Yeah, we do. We do. And you know, when you go around, you see things and different places have different rules, different laws. And in Europe, one thing that they do is they're very farming based and very agriculture you see the fields the windmills the cows everywhere especially near where my grandparents live they live outside the town of the city of antwerp and they live right behind a cow farm but thinking of farms and stuff made me think of one of the most important things that comes into people's minds when they think of farms and that currently right now is gmos are gmos bad what do you think in my opinion, I, I believe, isn't everything genetically modified? At this point, 80 to 90% of everything in the U.S. is genetically modified. And, I mean, you can have your opinion about what's in the grocery store these days. Half of it's good, half of it's bad, healthy, not so healthy. Um, GMOs, it's a huge topic. Yeah, and from what I found, the answer is no, they're not that bad. They're not bad at all. All the studies are all like weird coincidences. Like recently, there's a study that GMOs cause more cancer, and this was done in a rat uh, with rats. But later, it was published in a paper, and after a while, people were doing. Since it's a peer review paper, as science goes, the peers look at it, and they realized it was tested on a variety of rat that has an 80% chance of getting cancer. And it was on a small sample size, and it was just not that controlled. So there was no real correlation between this food, because it was GMO food, gave rats cancer. And people will find that information, and they'll stick to it. The idea of GMOs have been around for the past 200 years. We have been modifying food now more naturally since the 1800s. Say we have a small tomato plant and a big tomato plant. Are we going to grow more of the small ones or the big ones? No, we're going to keep with the big ones. Obviously, it's and the we're gonna, answer. And we're going to breed them with other tomatoes so we get bigger tomatoes every year. Same thing with corn. Corn back in the day was like the size of a pea pod. And look at it now. And this is just something that happens. We want to advance. And in order to advance, we have to advance the things around us that might be food but gmos nowadays they're kind of modified with a little bit more science what they do is they use gene guns and these things are wild so they take a little gold particle cover it in the dna that they want to insert on it and then they shoot the cells of the plant with this gold with pressurized air so wow. they're just shooting DNA like Rambo, hoping that this <laughs> slinging plant, guns, yeah, hoping that this plant takes up this new DNA, and it works. And then they slowly work it into the plants. And an example is think of rice. Rice is such a 
everybody eats rice. And especially in Africa and less developed countries, rice is a good food source. Now, children in the world, they need their vitamins. And recently, there's been rice that's been enhanced with vitamin A. So kids who are less able to get vitamin A now can get their vitamins. Is that a bad thing? Obviously, no. You Obviously want them to not. be healthy. So I kind of do draw a line at some point. You can genetically modify plants all you want, but recently I read that they are now genetically modifying salmon, the fish. So in that case, would it be through the, the breeding, the fish breeding, or is that chemically done through gene splicing? They gene splice the fish itself, that future generations of the fish, which kind of throws me off because what are you trying to get out of a genetically modified fish? Fat fish. Fat fish? Is that what they're going for? Because they're already pretty healthy alone to where we have them now if they are genetically modified. Right. So they're even they're pushing it further. So one thing I should point out is I'm using the word genetically modified organisms, GMOs. But in reality, they're more genetically engineered. Because oh, yeah. genetically modified, you can modify by breeding. But genetically engineered is when science gets involved. Yeah, it's not selective breeding. Now, it's not perfect because... The big company, Monsanto's, they're really known for their GMOs. They're the people who make Raid. Oh, yeah, the evil corporation that has the monopoly. That's where I'm, Yeah, that's where I'm going into that GMOs kind of have a negative side. So if you're modifying these plants for pest control, you have to make sure that you're not killing the pests you like, like the butterflies, the bees, the pollination, and... The problem is you have to get really exact. So we'll get to that point, but it takes years. And another thing that I'm not a fan of of GMOs, the reason that I dislike GMOs, from a food aspect, I think it's great. Keep doing it. But from a legal standpoint, I kind of, I don't agree with it. Here's the deal when it comes to laws with GMOs. If, say you have your small local farmer and then your big farm Monsanto's next to it, Monsanto's uses their genetically modified seeds, and in order to use those seeds, you have to pay for them. Now, the local farmer, he's using his regular seeds that he has. And at the end of the season, he then takes his seeds and he tries to cultivate and get as much back. Like, if you plant a bunch of sunflowers, you want to get as many of those seeds back so you don't have to buy more seeds. Now, the problem is, say there's a big gust of wind, and some of Monsanto's seeds land on your field, and you accidentally pick them up, and you start to grow them. Monsanto's can then sue you for using their property. Because they own the rights to the seed, the genetically modified seeds. It's like a copyright on DNA. And the problem is these little farmers are getting screwed over by these big companies from something that they can't control. That's why I'm not too big of a fan of the legal aspect of GMOs. But also that's a really weird thing to think about. Copywriting DNA. Like... The first time I saw this was at the pet store. You can buy glow-in-the-dark fish. Fish that has been spliced with jellyfish DNA that can make it glow. And that's that's weird, but it's cool. It's cool, but weird, it's yes. It's cool, but weird. But the thing is, it was called Glowfish TM. Trademark. Trademark, yeah. No one can take that. You trademark the living animal. It's like trademarking a human. Yeah. Thomas. Trademark. That's weird. That Like, trademarking something natural that's... Yeah, it's ugh, I agree. It's more expensive and it's cheaper this way. And from all the studies I've seen, 
they're all dead ends. It's not bad for you. So will I stop eating GMOs? No. But if there's a rally against Monsanto's, would I go? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monsanto is a... I mean, you can call it an evil corporation that runs, it's a monopoly over the food industry. It's crazy. I mean, everybody knows that there's documentaries out there. You can see the small farms have completely died, you know, the well-being of the farmers themselves. They're no longer stable. That's why we have to protect the little guys and maybe fix the rules when it comes to these things like seeds and copyrights on DNA. Mm-hmm. But it is cool. Like, I remember reading somewhere that they've invented corn that when insects eat it, the the food of the corn, something about it messes with the bug's, like, stomach, and the bugs explode so from the inside poisonous out. poisonous kernels for bugs and not humans. Yeah. It's the ideal corn. Thank goodness it's not poisonous for humans. Yeah. Well, I guess that's another fear with GMOs when you're messing with... Uh, the actual DNA and growing mass crops to feed whole populations, even though it's cheaper, it's extremely dangerous. And that's why the government has a huge part in it, regulating the food industry, the FDA. Well, Um, yeah, yeah. And the problem with that is also you create so much food in order to find out if it's bad or not. Food is something that we eat throughout our whole lives. Like I've been eating since I've been a kid. I don't know how long you've been eating. Have you been eating since you were little? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy Since how that works. Almost you day know, one, practically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mush. the thing is, in order to find out if they're bad, it'd have to be a lifelong study. And how would you know if someone died because of what they ate? Things it, change so quickly. You never know. There's so many factors. Exactly. So are GMOs bad? From what we know right now, absolutely not. And you shouldn't be afraid to eat them. Because practically, like we said. Almost nearly everything is genetically modified to some extent. Well, but uh, yeah, what do you think of genetically modified animals, though? Well, that is like, well, like you said, there's either like a selective breeding or there's actually genetically engineered animals that are used through gene splicing where they inject them with not just like hormones. I I don't know what they're exactly injecting them with. No, that's healthier genes, healthier strain of genes, right? Yeah. Hormones is something kind of different because that's done to an active living animal. Uh, like engineering the genes would be... From birth. From birth. Okay, okay. Which is, I guess, I guess in a sense that would be better because then there wouldn't be the steroids and stuff in it. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot nat- people- it starts out that way so it doesn't, the animal doesn't know any different than what it is already jacked up if it has huge flanks of meat you know if it's a cow or something just steroids built in yeah yeah i was born that way you know it's it's a very thin line it is a line and like you said you draw a line for yourself when when it comes to how you feel about it and i agree there's there's definitely a balance out there between what's right and what's wrong and how far these companies should go and especially in today's modern culture of everybody's going organic you got whole foods wegmans and even all acme giant all them they're really showing off it's like we got organic produce is it really organic that's a huge question that's the problem like if things have been around for so long how do you know that that's the original 
Like the only thing I know that's really original is have you had a heirloom tomato? Yeah, yeah, like an heirloom. Yeah, those yeah. are heirloom produce is very like as natural as it gets. I believe. Yeah, it's the point. Heirloom. It's uh, the I guess the original seeds from the original plant. It hasn't been modified. It's not. That's why they look all funky. Like an heirloom tomato looks all. It's got like brown spots on it. It's like a funky looking tomato. It's not that bright red tomato that you picture. I think GMOs will be around. I don't think they're going away anytime soon. I think they're here to stay. Oh yeah, they have to. I don't think there's any turning back now, right? No, not this point. But that's what I have for our lovely discussion. I think this episode happens to be the food episode. Oh, what do you have for me this? Because I have the. I want to cover the human side of food, the actual eating food, and I want to talk about the human stomach and how much food can it actually hold. That is always a thought I have because sometimes, say I go to Chipotle, I get a burrito, and then every once in a while I'll do a size comparison thinking, yeah, this is this is the half the size of my head. Oh, yeah. And I'm about to eat all of this you in one sitting. You have a food baby in you. Yeah. So... How does it how does it go down? Well, before I dive into the mechanics of the actual organ of the stomach, I, I just want to say uh, the other day I was at dinner and it was an all-you-can-eat crab leg dinner. So obviously this got me thinking, like, how much could you eat? And we asked the waiter, what what is the most baskets you've ever seen eaten? And he was like, just two weeks ago, a man came in. He was a fairly large man. He ate 28 baskets of crab legs. And each crab leg basket is supposed to be a pound. But we we were guessing ours was like two pounds at least. You know, it was bigger. They put a lot in there. So we ate 28 baskets along with seven like Heineken beers. Jeez. In one sitting. And how many crab legs are in like one of those baskets then? Well, uh, one of our baskets happened to have maybe like probably eight legs. Eight legs, so at least almost 200 crab legs. Oh, yeah. And he was eating them for sure because everybody was watching. He was pulling all the meat out. He was doing his job. That means he at least emptied out a good chunk of a beach. (laughs) Yeah, and he definitely paid off his all-you-can-eat. Like At at that point, the restaurant was losing money. They were losing their crab legs. He was taking (laughs) Isn't that funny? That is pretty wild. I wish I was there to watch. So I wanted to ask you, can you remember a time when you ate so much that you physically felt pain? I mean, maybe it was at Chipotle after eating like a huge burrito, right? Um, Normally, if I feel pain, it's after a buffet and I think, oh, I love some of this apple pie. And there's also a whole plate of biscuits over there. Normally breakfast. Oh, yeah. I love oh, yeah. breakfast buffets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I filled the whole plate and I eat it all. And I'm, I'm semi full at that point. And I'm like, oh, I'll go for seconds. But when I think seconds in my head, I think, oh, I'm going to go maybe get another piece of dessert or something. But then I end up getting a whole nother plate. And a full plate, too. So two full plates of breakfast. After that, you're kind of like, oh, I'm feeling it now. And then maybe your little brother, he goes, hey, can you come with me to the buffet? I don't want to go by myself. And then you end up you're over there. So you grab maybe half a plate of stuff and that's when you're walking away like i just enough yeah a little too much a little too much you feel uncomfortable you know you're past the sleepy point of like i'm full and i feel good you're just like oh trying to hold your gut in you know exactly yeah so the stomach its primary purpose is to 
it's it's digestion at its core so there's different mechanical properties that the stomach has and the and the main properties it uses to digest your food is expansion and contraction along with the chemicals that are contained within the stomach so the contraction is a form of mechanical breakdown of the food the purpose of the breakdown is actually to increase the available surface area for the chemicals in the stomach to kind of surround it and absorb your food into and the nutrients you know and that not only absorbs the nutrients into your stomach but it also happens in your intestines but the stomach is one of the first places it will absorb those nutrients right so the gastric glands of the stomach actually secrete an enzyme or not just one multiple enzymes that perform chemical breakdown Um, pepsin is the enzyme that breaks down the protein in food um, it also secretes hydrochloric acid, which which you know is like a yeah. common acid, and it kills almost all bacteria in the food. Although obviously we know food poisoning is a real thing, and I believe that is when the hydrochloric acid is overwhelmed by the amount of bacteria in your stomach. It can't handle it, and that's when the bacteria gets starts being absorbed into your blood, and that's when you get deadly sick with food poisoning. Ugh. Just so, thinking of it just makes me go. Oh, have you ever had food poisoning? Or semi-food poisoning? I think I've had semi-food poisoning. I think I've eaten something and gone, oh, that's not good. It wasn't good, yeah. No. I don't, I, I've never had food poisoning, knock on wood. Um, I eat a lot of food. I eat out a lot. So, we'll, you know, I hope I don't experience it. Apparently, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, even eating something that you know is bad can, like, make you feel queasy. Like, small story time, story break. Um, in middle school, no high school in high school, I was in French class. And when you're doing a language class, you always end up having the national food day. Oh yeah, of course. That you bring in food. Well, I made a pastry that was made with eggs and stuff and it was a very delicious pastry. I had some leftover and I threw it in my locker and I was hungry the next day and it was still in my locker. Okay. So I ate it and I shouldn't have a good eaten pastry it. anymore. No, it was one of those pastries that you you make it and then you eat it or refrigerate it. So keeping it in a, like a room temperature locker for a whole day, mm, especially a locker too. Yeah, it was one of those. I ate it and ten minutes later, I was like, I made a mistake. I need to go to the nurse's office. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a bad pastry. Yeah, that's what she's like. Oh, the nurse was straight up like, "Oh, what's wrong?" I'm like, "I know exactly what's wrong. I know exactly what I did. I just need some tums and I'll be on my way." <laughs> that's hilarious. You knew it was a bad patient. Yeah, you knew it was sitting out. So it's that mental feeling. That's part of it. You know, it's just terrible knowing that. I mean, it could be painful at some point if yeah. it actually is. Uh, the bacteria is actually getting into your body. The poisonous bacteria. So the, back to back to our favorite yeah. stomach. It also secretes a mucus that protects the stomach from the hydrochloric acid. So otherwise, without that mucus, your stomach would it would get like burned holes in it, and that that's a, a common medical case that happens to some people. You can get like you know a burn in your stomach; it'll burn a hole in it. So, how much can your stomach actually hold? How big? can it fill up so the volume of a human stomach varies depending on the person it's all different obviously like the dude who ate 28 baskets of crab legs he was a little bigger you can assume his stomach was probably bigger than a liter you know yeah so the typical volume is roughly one liter that's like average so can you picture like a one liter one liter soda yeah what what's the big soda can is that a two liter so half of that 
Half of that. Yeah, that's like your stomach. And I don't know if that's full or fully expanded or a regular expanded or fully contracted because there's the fact it can go up to 50 times the resting size or the unfull size of your stomach 50 times well i'm gonna go on a limb and say that it's probably the fullest it can get is one liter otherwise 50 times would be kind of big well i know how full it can get oh it's it's bigger than one liter it's actually a gallon a gallon picture a milk jug in your stomach that is the that is like the max the average that a person can take it stretches it stretches so it would actually rip if really? you ate too much your body would obviously throw it up before it could get to that point can your unless stomach, if you're can your stomach rip i mean it's a muscle it's it's skin like it's a skin little pouch in your stomach you can rip it you can rip your skin like a cut you know yeah like so oh sorry coach i, I tore my stomach I last tore, night <laughs> i got a hole in my stomach it's pouring out food yes but your body has would obviously like throw up before it gets to that point that's right. why i mean back in roman times they would like a common thing they would just eat until they're full and then they'd throw up and then go inside and eat more you know their body couldn't take more so throw, that was like a common thing they would do it dinner they would like go outside and throw up their food and then go inside and back eat more for three days or whatever they did isn't that crazy what a what a weird idea but i mean when i think of roman parties i think high class like almost like in the hunger games the capital people oh yeah don't they have something like that to throw up their food as well yeah it's it's some weird totalitarian society it's indulgence it is indulgence and the stomach the actual the word that we can use, it can be distended, meaning it's swollen or bloated. And actually, it goes up to four liters, which is slightly bigger than a gallon. Yeah. So it's crazy. And it, and it just stretches. I mean, it's like skin. You can grab the skin on your arm. It stretches. The stomach is just like that, but inside of you. So there's plenty of room for food. I mean, you could – and it gets compacted, especially if you chew a lot. So you can fit more, essentially, if, if you're chewing more. You know, I mean, the enzymes in your stomach are going to break down that food. But if you chew it real fine, you can fit a lot. Same goes for liquid. You know, liquid's going to fill up too. So next time you're eating in a buffet, can you can you picture like a milk jug in your stomach and are you going to eat according to that? Uh, my answer should be no, but I'll keep the mental note of maybe yes. Yeah. It's like, I know I can do this much, but sometimes I don't need to fill the whole stomach. No, no. no. Save it as a treat, whatever yeah. you're eating, you know? Yeah key limit moderation is key and just doing this research made me think of something really really interesting because your stomach is essentially a muscle can you exercise and train that muscle to stretch farther than it normally would or it can be stronger so it can handle more before it it pops essentially could you stomach olympics you know i mean is that competitive eating do they have trained stomachs is that part of it that's what i was gonna say i think competitive eating has something like that of they have larger stomachs maybe Mm -hmm. they're able to handle more you know it flexes more and they can handle that discomfort or they're just used to it you know because i've seen eating videos of people eating like ridiculous amounts of food oh yeah crazy amount 50 pancakes in one sitting (laughs) and that's that's a lot that's a lot of food and you wonder where does it all go so they must have something oh yeah Oh, yeah. Some people are, I mean, if you're bigger, I guess, naturally, you would have a bigger stomach. 
well, that's why you're bigger. That's why you're bigger, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just to handle the more food. So, all right, I just want to end on you should never eat so much that you feel pain because at that point you might be ripping your stomach. That's just dangerous at that point, you know? I'll keep it in mind. So I guess you can work your way up there. Say if we're competitive eating, maybe one of these episodes we'll talk about some world records or something. Oh, world record episode. And scare ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating that much food. Well, Matt, now I'm hungry and it's Yeah, I'm hungry time, too. So I think that's it for this week. It's good to be back. It is great to be back. This is, I miss this. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week on another Two Topics. See you soon. See ya. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics.